Hello, welcome to Real Life. I'm your host, Pamela Lau, and I'm so glad you're here. I counted a privilege to be back podcasting again after several months of taking a break. So through prayer this past year, I've discerned a deeper need surrounding the leadership crisis impacting each one of us. So starting this episode, I'm releasing a new six-week series of podcasts asking the question, what is Christian leadership? What makes this series unique and useful are the incredible friends I sit down with as I interview them about their roles or previous roles as leaders. We talk about all things leadership as a Christ follower, how leading impacts their personal relationships, a time when failure caused them to question walking away, and how to support leaders ahead of them and emerging leaders in their midst to even young children. Be sure to add the podcast to your phone or device so you don't miss an episode. And I am so excited to have you as part of this conversation. Welcome my first guest, Lindsay Knox. Hello, Lindsay. It's great to see you. Great to see you too. Lindsay, I am just getting to know you is mm-hmm. how I feel. Um, and even though, even though if I remember correctly, we've known each other for many years, but is that true or am I making I think so. So I, I mean, we've both been around the George Fox community for a really long time, but I actually remember you, um, I can't remember if I was a student at George Fox or I was just after being a student. Um, you came and spoke to a, a book group I was part of because we read your book. Oh my goodness, which book are we talking about? Um, oh, see, that's I should have liked. Oh, I mean, so you're talking um, what year? What year was it? Oh, like we would have been like to that probably seven, eight, two thousand seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Okay, so that was Soul Strength because I hadn't. Yes, read absolutely, Soul Strength. That was the book. Oh well, so, great memory. Um, that's so fun to think that we have that connection. Yeah. Yeah, and I I just know really in these recent years mm-hmm. is because you are um, an executive leader along with many other people I know and love, including my husband, that you are so wonderful to work with. That's my that's how I know you. So <laughs> I will receive that, I guess. Okay, but Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay Knox, um, could you tell us uh, just give give my listeners a little bit of what your current position is right now? Yeah. So I am the vice president for marketing and enrollment um, at George Fox University. And I've been in this role um, a little over two years. Um, I accepted it in the summer of 2020, if you can imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've been with the university a long time. I've, I've um, been an employee here since 2006. So I have kind of a an unusual um, career history, especially for a millennial, um, in the sense that I've been with one organization for my entire professional career, um, you know, and done a variety of things, worked up the ranks from entry level to now sitting in the executive cabinet. But you also graduated from George Fox, right? I did. So that, yeah. is, that is unusual to, to do all that. Well, um, you know, just recently we had the incredible opportunity to do a, a workshop of diving a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into into leadership and its support and and I look at your your background and your resume and I the thing I see in common is that I see you as have say, saying yes mm-hmm. right you've said yeah. yes along the way um, and it it appears when I look at it as if it was like 
no thought, like just went forward, you know, <laughs> it's not like there's this hiatus. Of, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a while, but, but I, I want to ask you as we get started, um, even before I even actually ask you about your, you know, really the calling of it is what are the skills you're using day to day? Like what kind of strengths and skill sets are you, are you operating in? Yeah. You know, I think for me, actually, it's so funny to say this because um, I was doing a leadership retreat with my director reports. So I found a director reports with a leadership retreat maybe two weeks ago. And we all had to talk about our leadership superpower. And, um, and we drew little pictures of them because I'm, I'm all about fun retreat initiatives with post it notes and lots of colored pens and things. But, uh, you know, I, I think for me, I have always been a decisive person. I've always um, been able to look at a situation and deduce quickly what what's at play, what's at stake, and and feel at least confident enough to move forward. Um, and so I have, a, 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 for better or worse, a bias towards action, a bias towards doing, um, a bias towards uh, let's see. Let's see if that works out. Let's, you know, we can, then we can reevaluate and pick a different way, but let's, let's keep going. And so I, I find that to be a skill that um, others rely on a lot. Uh, that's the place I, whether I'm leading the team or on the team or next to the team, cheerleading the team. Um, I find that that movement to do sort of sets me apart. Um, and I find that in my role now a lot, um, that really my job is to set the path um, provide the guide rails for the path, downfield block for the path, encourage when there's obstacles in the path, um, move the boulders if the boulders need moved in the path. Uh, so, so those are some of the things that I, I really see myself doing is, is shepherding whatever, whatever path, path me and my team are on, um, whatever goal we're trying to accomplish to, to getting there all together aligned in keeping uh, forward movement, so. Have you ever had a situation where someone felt like you were moving too fast or being too decisive or, and, and you don't even have to tell me about the situation, but what was that like for you since that's your superpower? Yeah, because our greatest superpower is always our biggest shadow side, right? So, <laughs> right. Achilles heel, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I think that that happens a lot. And I, I think I've learned um, over time and through error to give the people with whom I work the permission to, you know, pull the cord and say, you're going too fast, or I don't understand, or I need help, or, um, you know, please don't, you know, please don't leave me behind, um, to create a space of honesty, because um, one of the things I think you have to do when you're a fast mover is you have to make a lot of assumptions, and I feel that in myself. And so I have a tendency to assume things are going to be fine or assume everybody's on board or assume that everybody knows the way we're going. And so I have to, I tell people when I start working with them, um, if you need to slow me down, that's okay. I welcome that. And I, I try to honor that. Um, but yeah, it definitely happens. Okay. And it sounds like just from listening to you that you're, you've grown into this leadership skill set. So let's back up the train just a little yep. bit. So now that we've got an, an idea that mm -hmm. you're a, a superpower decision maker, mm -hmm. <laughs> but listens well to her people. So 
I'm wanting to hear the moment when you accepted the calling of being in leadership for the long haul. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I, if my listeners could kind of see, mm -hmm. you know, where you've come from and where you are now. I mean, like you said, you started off right out of the gate at George Fox mm -hmm. in smaller leadership roles. So um, what was that moment or season when you accepted that calling of being in leadership for the long haul? Yeah, I think um, a few years after, I think I've always seen myself as a leader. So I want to be clear about that. I think even when I graduated college, I knew that um, leading people was important to me. I think some of my undergrad time um, shaped that in me. I was in student government and actually ran a leadership conference here on, at Vox for a little while. So I had done a lot of that. But in my professional life, the first time I had some sort of informal leadership over people, which happened in 2009, I had a group of brand new admissions counselors that I was training. I wasn't their boss, but I was training them and um, helping them kind of form as a team. And it was the first time that I got to really see and bear to witness to and contribute to someone's growth and place in team. And I thought like, this is the most beautiful thing to watch a person grow and to watch multiple people grow and become a team. I just thought like, that's, that's it for me. That's, that's, that's my favorite thing I ever think to want to do. And so um, shortly after that, I um, went back to, went back to school or decided to pursue my graduate degree in organizational leadership from Gonzaga University, um, which was a, you know, two and a half, three-year program that I went through really slowly to really answer that call and to really learn about who I was, what does teamwork look like? You know, what do people need from their leaders? What does it look like? And it was, that was an incredible season um, of growth, of self-awareness. Um, sometimes I think I got a graduate degree in me um, <laughs> well, that's what they say. Learning. Research is me search, right? Yeah, right. Like that's really what I felt like. Like, ooh. Um, and I think a, a lot of a lot of my some of my rough edges can't sort of got shaved off or or refined in in that season um, where I really took a look at myself and leadership and team and and trying to figure out how I wanted to move that and go forward. So really, from that point on. It's, I've, I've just known like that is what God has for me. Um, is people in teams. Me too, a, a um, kind of an offshoot question to that is during that season that you just described, where there are key people who tapped you on the shoulder mm -hmm. and said, I, I, I think that you have the capability mm -hmm. to be leading or any of that, or was it just your own sense? No, I've been really fortunate to always have excellent people in my life from my parents, I think, who spoke a lot of good truth to me, but really professional mentors um, and friends and people who who called me up. But really specifically, I, ha I was hired by um, uh, somebody who was the director of admissions, Ryan um, was the director of admissions when I started at Fox. And he was my boss really until until I became until he resigned and I took his position in 2020. And along the way, he was absolutely instrumental in speaking truth and encouragement and also calling me to things that I would have never really thought for myself. 
um, telling me that I could do things that were outside of my even understanding of my own skill set really intentionally, not like in vague, like, Ooh, maybe someday, but like actually calling specifically, you can lead this team. You should do this job someday. You should, you know, you could be this. Um, and I find that found that to be really powerful. It gave me a lot of vision for what could be Is, much more than I could have had. It, would you say that's what gave you the ability to keep saying yes to those, those opportunities was yeah, voice? definitely one of them for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about that because that sounds like that wasn't just one year. That sounds like it was several years. Um, yes. I mean, so at my time at George Fox, I've had a variety of jobs, each kind of like building on the last one, six or seven positions now. And so, yeah, there have been these moments of saying yes. And each time, really every single time, it was a uh the kind of thing where some uh, something happened a door opened and somebody asked me to step into it so it wasn't this like and I, and I'm for this I think you can should and advocate for yourself and negotiate and ask for what you want and I'm I'm for all of those things that that wasn't my story um instead my story looked a little bit more like me leading and having influence and taking on responsibility in the role I was in so much so that when the next thing came open, I was, you know, an, a right fit for the next thing. And so all I had to do was step into it. And that happened, you know, multiple times over the course of my career, even up into this last job. I mean, uh, becoming a vice president in the middle of the pandemic meant um, it looked a little non-traditional. Um, it was more like, hey, <laughs> the middle of a pandemic and we have, are in an enrollment crisis. <laughs> are you at all interested in, in this job? Um, and me saying yes into that, so. I love what you just said though, that it was your, your story is that you were leading already. Mm -hmm. And then you used the phrase, you were taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't as if you were had this hyper ambition going on inside and you were saying, I want the next title. I want the next role. Is, am I right? And what? Yeah, I think that's very that, right. What was that um, like inside? And I don't mean that from like a place of false humility. I, I always wanted to do more. I just focused more on what I could do inside of whatever I was, whatever role and function I had and trying to move that as far forward as I possibly could. Yeah. Um, and then the, the titles and the positions and the salaries and stuff always just tended to work themselves out. Yeah, that's really good. Um, can we switch gears just a little bit to ask you uh, what many people are gonna wanna know in here. So you are married with two daughters, correct? That's right. Um, and how old are they? Um, in the next couple of weeks, they will turn five and seven. So I have a first grader and then my little one will be in kindergarten in a year. Wow. They're little. Yes, that is. So I wanted to ask you, you know, why is being a married woman with children working well for you as an executive leader? But then I thought, well, is the right question? How, but why, <laughs> why or how? I mean, how you want to answer it, but, 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 but. Give us some insight into that. Yeah, I appreciate the question. Um, I, I would say two things. 
I think being an exec, I think being a mother is hard, but I think um, being a working mom and an executive woman um, leader is very hard. Um, and there are not a lot of, uh, I think we're still evolving as a society to make sure that the proper supports are in place for women. But for me, uh, I want to always be really honest about the fact that it's difficult and the fact that I have all kinds of help to make it so. And first and foremost, that comes from my partner, uh, my husband, who is also an executive leader. Um, so my husband, Kelly, is a, um, a chief financial officer for a large private company in Portland. Um, and you know, we've both been advancing in our careers. We've been married nine years. We've both been advancing in our careers quite rapidly over the last decade. Um, he probably even faster than me. And so we have had to figure out how to have a thriving home life and a thriving marriage and a thriving faith and a thri and thriving careers, not necessarily all in that order. Yeah. Um, but we have to do it by being 100% for each other all the time. Um, and he is for me all the time. And so there was no way that if you'll just like go back to that moment that in July, 2020, when I got a call to say, you know, are you interested in becoming the next vice president of enrollment and marketing for George Fox University? We were in the very early days of the pandemic. George Fox was still closed for in-person work. I was home with my two two kids who were two and four at the time. I had no reliable daycare yet, like plan figured out yet. Like we just didn't know the world was so crazy. Um, but it was Kelly saying like, you have to do this. You have to say yes to this. We will figure it out. We will figure it out together. We will, we will learn. Um, we will make sacrifices. You have to do this. Like he was really his insistence that made me feel confident enough to go forward and say yes. And, um, and he was right. He, you know, we have to na navigate school drop-offs and travel schedules and um, who has what after, you know, after hours meeting or whatever, but he's just been an incredible, incredible support. Um, and, you know, I, I hope, and I think I know that I do that same thing for him, you know, he's on a, a business trip this week. And so we all flex and make sure that he can do what he needs to do. A few weeks ago, I had just tons of work as we were in the board meeting and he did what he needed to do. And there's this beautiful ebb and flow um, that we're just for each other. Sounds like leadership all over here. Yeah, I think I think he is the leader of our household. He leads the, you know, these these three <laughs> really strong-willed women um, in our home um, by supporting each one of us and the dreams that we have. And, you know, that same idea of like, I think a lot of, about leadership is a path and he clears my path a lot. It's very, cool. I like that. I like that analogy. That's yeah, that's really good. So what about some stories for us of when you came against, and we, we haven't really gotten into this, but I think we could have a, a pretty uh, engaging conversation. There's a culture Mm -hmm. of of what is projected as being a leader right mm -hmm. so first I'd love to hear you know we could comment on that for a little bit what's the what does the culture tell us that leadership yeah. is? so before we I ask you the question what would you say that yeah I think there's sort of that like um the top-down kind of model that people think of like the person who gets 
and there's so much like almost celebrity leaders or celebrity executives these days, right? Because you know you have all these like big big time CEOs doing all these things. Um, the person who calls the shots, that makes the tough call, that you know makes the giant salary, sort of that like um, mantle on a hill kind of kind mm -hmm. of vibe. I think uh, tends to be the way that it's shown up, at least the the media. Would you say too that the that the culture shows leaders as almost being like they're the ones who have the biggest personalities and who who are the center of attention, uh, maybe are have a certain personality trait as taking charge? I, I don't yeah, know. I think all of that's right, and I think um, yeah, big personality or or audacious, some level of audaciousness, because you know the biggest dream. Um, sort of the take no prisoners approach to their goals. Um, yeah, I think I think we see that a lot, that that sort of brazenness held up as leadership. Mm -hmm. So have you come up against that at all? And uh, what I call the culture's expectations of you being a leader. And uh, and then my second question is, what is it really like when you're a follower of Jesus to be yeah. a leader? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think my, my definition of leadership would just be so different than that. Um, I like big dreams and big goals, but I think they have to have a grander purpose and a morality and a, uh, a positive future for many attached to them. And the leader is the person in my mind always who sees the destination that is best for everyone or best for the most good and knows the way to get there and gets people to willingly follow them there. So again, that idea of path. Um, and I think that is, you know, even for somebody action oriented, that can be a slower, a slower, um, a slower model of leadership because it says we have to go together we all have to know the direction we're going. We are only going to be as good as us all getting to the, the destination intact um, with, you know, for me in a nonprofit organization with our mission intact, uh, with our integrity intact. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna help us get there, but we're all gonna have to go. And so I have to do the work to make sure that everyone knows what, what that, where, that, where that is, how we're gonna get there, what's gonna happen when we get into trouble, um, you know, go get some people and bring them back to the path. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot of that. Like, oh no, no, we're going this way. Um, that sounds very much like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that, that, yeah, that, uh, that going after the one. Going after. Yeah, going after. So I think um, I don't think brashness and you know audacious goals or anything are devoid of leadership, but what happens after that? You know, where are you when things get hard? How are you helping build commitment in your teams? How are you serving the people and making, you know, enriching their lives? How are you loving them? Um, that's the part of leadership that I think is really important. I think, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to work in a, in a Christ-centered um, context for my career. So I don't have like, you know, any sort of story where like the big boss said, you know, you gotta do, you know, meet some sort of margin or any of that. But on the other hand, 
I, I do run the business, one of the bus, more business ends of our, our organization. You know, it's my job to be sort of the net generating, net revenue generating arm of, of the organization, um, bringing intuition and having a lot to do with um, uh, what we spend in discount rate and uh, a lot of our retention work in the registrar's office. So I, I have a business end to what we do. And yet still, I have to care for, um, communicate, serve, recommunicate, <laughs> um, uh, encourage, recommunicate uh, all the all the things that that are going to get us to the end goal that we have. And we have really specific end goals. That's actually one of the things I like about the work that I get to do is that we kind of know if we've hit it or not. It sounds like when you said that right now that when you said I recommunicate, I recommunicate that you don't go around assuming you said it once and everyone got it. Yeah, I you know, I think I'm learning in that. Um I don't think I have that down perfectly, but I recognize you know, some of that comes from like being an executive leader and having toddlers kind of at the same time. There's like <laughs> there's some like similarity you know, among the people that I like. That's good. Super smart people I oversee can't, yeah. you know, hear, but just you know, sometimes it's like there's just a lot of noise and there's been so much noise in the last two years. And so what am I doing to cut through that noise? You know, can I be totally sure that the thing that I want to have happen is going to happen? Have I communicated enough, enough times? I, I have, I have never worked for anyone, nor do I see a lot of leaders um, being scrutinized because they don't communicate, because they over communicate, you know, because they, you know, they say what you're doing too, too much. Um, but, they, but if they under communicate. Right. Mm-hmm. And then people are lost. So I want to do a, a, do a good job and continue doing a better job of making sure people know what we're doing and 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 how I want it done. I think that's the other thing too. Um, I think uh, there is a way. There is there are goals we want to achieve, but there is a way we want to work. There is a way we want to treat people. There's a way we want to serve our students. There's a way that we want to being community with each other. Um, and those things matter as much as the goal too. And all of that takes a lot of like, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Can you give me an example or give us an example of, of a situation where you had to maybe uh, recommunicate something that made you feel impatient or like, why am I, can you just give an example? And how is it that being a follower of Jesus gave you that follow through with that situation. Totally. Yeah, I think um, I often have to communicate the the why behind why, um, but like behind what we're doing. Um, so communicating about uh, sort of the the goal of enrollment work and, and the goal of marketing work, um, the heart behind what we're doing, um, re-communicating my commitment to bringing in good students um, that are qualified to be here that will go out into the world and produce, have excellent uh, life outcomes, will further the kingdom of God. And instead, you know, sometimes people think that um, what I care about is uh, enrollment numbers, headcounts, tuition numbers, like the sort of business the end. And those are all metrics to help us know if we're doing the other things well, but they're not like, 
they're not the thing that like engages my heart. Um, but we have to talk about them a lot. So as if I have to talk about those things a lot, if I have to talk about the KPIs a lot, and I do, because that's what gets us, that's how we know whether or not we're hitting our goal. Then I have to also do the heart thing. I have to also engage with why we do what we do. I have to also engage with the stories about the, the students' lives who come here and are changed. I have to also engage about the broader um, needs of our community and how revenue helps us do the things that help us um, achieve our mission. And so that's been an interesting thing because those are assumed inside of myself. I know that those are, are where my heart, you know, my heart posture is and the way that I do my work, but I've learned like, I can't just always be the person who comes in and is like, well, we're here and this, this rate is here and this number is there. And here we want to be like, I have to, I have to not assume people know my intent always or know my heart. And that that's hard for me. I, I'm not a, a super expressive person or um, I don't, I don't like, love like vulnerability and touchy feely <laughs> things. I'm like, I'm like kind of like a straight to business person. And I've had to really learn how to communicate my why and help others like learn and think about their why so that we can all have our whys align and then, you know, move towards our goals. Um, I love that, Lindsay, because it feels like you're talking about how a leader cultivates the desire for the spirit of leadership. That's what it feels like you're saying like this is not, yes, I have a job. Yes, I, the numbers matter. The metrics matter. But here's how I cultivate the desire mm -hmm. to stay. And so, and doesn't, and I would assume this is what cultivates the desire of your people, of who you're leading. Yeah, I hope so. You know, we, we've been, I've been really lucky um, in, in the time that I've been in this role, even through, gosh, knock on all the wood, but um, I've had the same leaders working with me. So, you know, I've been able to retain them through the last two years, which has felt great like maybe one of the biggest blessings that I can really ever imagine. Um, yeah. And I think we spend a lot of our time talking about um, why our work matters, uh, what we love about our work, what fuels us, you know, and I think that that shared, that shared experience of knowing that together, that we all have a shared love for the work, for the outcome, for our why, um, for our people that we lead, which we, we care a lot about, you know, that kind of shared, shared piece has mm -hmm. been helpful um, to, to me, honestly, if, it, if no one else, I don't know, it helps me to talk about it. Um, and I, but I, would but, you, but I, I think it also speaks to your, you know yourself so well, you said, you know, I'm really not vulnerable. I don't want to walk around being vulnerable. So you just, you, you marry the two and yeah. you, and you work in that. There's, I really want to ask you this question and I'm going off script just a little bit, but we are in a hyper individualized culture, hyper individualized, even in the workplace. Yeah. Okay. How would you tell other managers and leaders to help emerging leaders to serve the organization above that individualism. I mean, just a few thoughts or a story. Yeah. It's tough, right? Because we are in this moment where people are like, I'm not going to sell my soul to my organization, which I would encourage you not to either. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I don't want anybody to, I want to be clear, like I don't want anybody to sacrifice their health, their faith, their family, their rest, 
their peace, their, their sense of identity um, for the work we're doing. Um, but I think one of the most beautiful things about being somewhere for a long time is that I've got to see, I've gotten the benefit of seeing what it's like to be engaged with work and community and goals and growth over a really long period of time and how the work and the people I work with and the things we get to do, I've shaped it and it shaped me. And it's been this really reciprocal relationship. And I think when it's healthy, like I want to come and give my best when I'm here and I want to bring the offering of good work to this place and to, I think, ultimately to God um, and say, this is what I have for you today. Um, and sometimes that's like amazing. And sometimes it's like what I have today. And that's right. not much because, you know, I have another life outside of this place. But um, what happens when you do that, when you bring what you have to work every day and you combine that with other people's, what they have to bring to work every day. And then you achieve really fun, exciting things together. And then you learn from that. And then you can like learn, then you can do it again and learn from that. And things keep getting better and people grow and people get to take on new responsibility and leadership. And pe some people get to make more money. And, you know, all of this stuff happens in this really, there's this cascading effect to everyone coming and bringing their best on any given day to work in pursuit of team, in pursuit of organizational goals, in pursuit of long-term growth, in pursuit of personal health. Um, I'm really, really encouraged and jazzed by what that looks like when I zoom out of my life and I look at like all that's happened um, in my time here. And like so I, I just, I don't like, I'm not into the like quiet quitting thing right now. Like all of that. I just think like that, the, like you're the person losing in those things are, are the individuals who are not willing to give themselves up to something greater than themselves and see what, what kind of goodness can come from that. How did you learn that lesson? Um, I think I've had to recognize, like, you know, when you're, when you just choose to stay somewhere for a long time, you have to sort of wrestle with like why that is or what's, what's beautiful about what's, what's happening. Cause like the world will tell you like, you can go over there and make more money. And that's probably true. Or you can go over there and get this or that or whatever. Um, but for me, like every time I've come back and like made this intentional decision to stay or say yes to a role, like I've had to reflect on, on what's, keeping me here and and why um why this matters and I think like I've just had time to reflect on that sort of stair-step nature of organizational life that happens where we all work on a thing together we all grow and get better and then we produce a thing and then we get to learn from that we all get better and produce a thing and um I just I I love that process I love I love when things grow I love when things move forward especially if they're people but yeah. <laughs> I'll take processes. I'll take data. I'll take plants. Like, doesn't matter. Like I, right. I like, but you I like love the people. <laughs> I feel like you're already talking about that word support 
that, you know, that I've been kind of mulling yeah. over and um, especially for people who are leading. Um, so in all the scenarios that you just described, you know, what direction should support come from for a leader? Is it up? Is it down? Is it the side? Um, you, you, the way you talk, it's like, it's all one. <laughs> That's yeah. how you talk about it. Well, I will say, I mean, I don't know any leader that feels over-supported. <laughs> so like, you know, That's maybe good. Like a good like takeaway from this, this conversation is like, think of everybody, if everyone thought of like one person that they know that is like leading and trying their best, if they would just like write them one note of encouragement, that would be one more note of encouragement than they'll probably get this week. Um, but I think I think the the biggest responsibility in supporting leaders is is actually from the person above them. Um, I think when you take on the responsibility of leading another person, you've taken on the responsibility of leading another person, which means supporting them. Um, again, if I come back to my definition of leadership, which has to do with path, then my job for the people that I'm leading down that path is to support them so they can make the journey. So I have an innate or an inherent responsibility to do that, to make sure that they have the support they need to do the thing I've asked them to do. So I do think there's an onus on that um, that I don't want people to let themselves off the hook for. I don't let myself off the hook for that. Um, and I think that's really important and I think I think it's harder and harder as you get higher and higher up in organizations to have that because the work is so much. And I think there's also this assumption that people like, well, you've made it to the higher highest parts of your career. Like you should be fine. You the don't answer need no. anything, right? <laughs> the answer is no. I need lots of help. I need lots of support. I need lots of, I don't even know, someone just checking in on me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that will ever go away. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think that'll ever go away. Um, so let's stop for just a second. And like you said, if anyone could take anything from this, from listening to this, it's that you can't ever over give to a leader. So give me a couple of examples of how someone who is, could simply and easily show support. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, Asking for and creating space for someone to tell you what they need um, is a great way to support someone. To say, you know, how are you doing for real? And what are you trying to do? And how can I help? You know, what do we need to give you to make sure that you can get that? And that can be like a zillion things. It's like, I need, you know, to work remotely on Fridays so that I can do the deep work and so I'm not interrupted all day, you know, or I, I need a coach because I'm dealing with all these issues and I'm in over my head on these things, or I need to, I need to find a peer network. Um, and I need the resources to travel to that every once in a while, or, you know, I need to leave it for, because I cannot, I'm not seeing my kids enough. And I feel stressed about that every day. Yeah. I'm like, you know, like well, there's lots of different kinds of support that's needed, but we will never know what it is unless we're like, taking the time to connect human to human with, with the person sitting in front of us and saying like, how are you? What do you need? What are you worried about? What are you feeling? What, what are you feeling um, either or stressed or worried about or 
where are you working from a deficit from? And, and then how can we, you know, how can we fill that? Like, how can we do that together? What about someone who's beneath you? They wouldn't ask you those same questions, but how could someone been, who's working for you under your leadership show support? Now we know we don't expect that too much. Yeah, we don't know. I don't think you have to do that. Although I think it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> What's appropriate? And it is, uh, yeah. I think, um, and I think we have to be careful as leaders not to depend on the people below us for support. Um, because I think that can get into a funny balance. And, and I say that with my own, like I've done the thing where I've been peers with people and then been their boss. And so it's, that's a tricky relationship to re renegotiate. Um, and it, yeah, I can, that can be fraught with, fraught with challenges. Um, I think the, the best support I can have from the people below me is to make sure they know what's most important to me and that they can take what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and help translate it for me. Sort of be like my little you know, people mm -hmm. in the field, helping, helping the thing I'm trying to do move forward and do that with honesty, integrity, and clarity. So um, that takes them knowing and being in communication enough with me to understand what we're trying to do, what my heart in it is, you know, get all the details. Um, I love when somebody comes into my office and asks me like the deep questions about what we're doing and how we're going to get there and why it's important and all of that. And then if they can take that and then, you know, share that out among their, their either peers or direct reports, then I start to feel like the thing underneath me is made of solid rock and not sand. Um, and and I then what you're saying too, because you're making it not about you as a person. You're making it about the mission of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And what else were you going to say? No, I think that that's, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said it that way. I think that's, I think that's the most important, appropriate way for somebody um, underneath to support a leader. Again, I think the other parts of it kind of need to come from either peers, which I think is a really important support structure too, or above. But I think there's a lot that people can do to encourage the leader in front of them. Um, so I think I, I see a little difference between support and encouragement, like support is like, I can stand on it. Right. So I need you to, I need to be able to stand on the good work you're doing, the clarity that you're bringing to the people below you, your clarity of what we're doing. Like I need to stand on that, but yeah. gosh, my heart will be encouraged when you say something specific that you appreciated about me, when you know you know, sometimes as leaders, we have to like answer tough questions in fairly, fairly public forums or um, deal with challenging issues or take heat for things that may or may not have been our call or our decision. When that note comes in from one of my people, hey, I just appreciated you taking the time to explain that to, to us. Hey, I just really appreciated, you know, the way you you're, you know, caring for our team. Hey, I really appreciated, you know, bring that you brought in coffee for everybody last week. It was a hard week for everybody. All of those little notes, I keep those. Mm -hmm. I refer back to them. I have a drawer in my file. It's called the happy file. Um, <laughs> That's great. And I've had it since I started. And I, I think that those encouraging my heart again, I, I don't know anybody who like has too much of that. Yeah, that's good. Excellent distinction. I really like that. 
So we're we're almost at the rounding that corner, but I have to ask you if you have a time that you could share where you think you like I I, I use this word sparingly failed as a leader mm -hmm. or maybe faced a really dark time and considered walking away. Yeah. Um, how did you endure the struggle? Mm -hmm. I think there's been a lot of times, but I think I would just be remiss and probably a little disingenuous if I didn't say that the first year of doing the job I'm in now was was a dark and hard time. Um for a lot of people, I think we're learning that more and more as the pandemic sort of lifts and and we all kind of like stumble back into the light. Like, how are you? How are you? Oh, we all had a hard time. Um, but I think it's important for us to not gloss over that and tell our stories with reality. So, um, you know, I found myself in a new role uh, with um, my second boss ever, who happens to be the president of the university. Like, I've only ever had one other boss. And it's like, this guy, and then like, know the president of the university like so getting just used to a new boss is just in and of itself challenging like I've done it one way um I've communicated I've I don't I don't even remember what it was like to get get used to a new boss I was 21 the last time that happened um so new boss new team um and a you know, a, a team that had you know was in remote work for a lot I mean we didn't even meet together that often so you know trying to get camaraderie and my bearings around new people at my peer level, um, new feelings of insecurity, if I'm honest, I think that came from a variety of things. Uh, the way I, I happen, you know, happened into the role, um, you know, most people who come into roles like mine go through like rigorous natu national searches and are you know, flown in and winded nine for three days and like, you know, present to faculty, like all these things. And it was, you know, mine was much more of an appointment. I did some, I did interview, but um, mine was more of an appointment than a, a rigorous search. And I, I carried that with me a lot my first year. My age, I was 36 at the time. Um, and just feeling like, what am I you know, that like imposter syndrome, like everyone is going to be like, who let the kid in the room? Um, and feeling like that for a lot of that year. And then also just the incredible stress and pressure of um, having to meet enrollment goals in a brand new way uh, with so much unknown with the pandemic. I mean, that's just, it all ended up turning out fine. Actually, it turned out really well, but we didn't know, know that at the time. Um, it was just, it was hard and it was scary. I thought I I could whiff on this so bad and it will be so public in a community of people that I love so much and I care about what they think about me probably a little too much. Um, and I um, and it was isolating too because I you know I am somebody on the strengths finder, my number one strength is relator. Um, I just loved oh, is it really? Look at us. And we're both eights, which we and didn't. We're both eights. <laughs> oh, I love that, Pam. That's really good. Yes, yeah, so we're leaders, right? So we want to like have really deep friendships, um, uh, relationships. We love that idea of working hard with people we care about. And my my sense of team just got like completely ups, you know, fruit basket upset. And I was I was you know trying to figure out how to have camaraderie, how to lead people who were just my peers 10 seconds ago, who were older and more experienced and wiser than me. I was in new areas of the university. I didn't know anything about it. was just dark. It was hard. Um, how did you endure? You know, why didn't you walk away? 
I think, I think that I, again, have the benefit of feeling what it feels like to stick through things. Mm -hmm. So my muscle memory is probably actually more built towards enduring than quitting, um, just naturally. Mm. But I also think, um, you know, I really believe in leadership. I really believe that leadership is a, a, a labor of love. Um, and I, again, like I just said, like, I don't really like to be vulnerable and touchy feely, but I think to lead, to, to serve, to have to have all the hard conversations you have to have to endure the pressure that you have to, you have to endure to endure the criticism that ultimately comes from being the person up front or the person, you know, leading down the path, you have to love the thing you're doing and the people you're leading. And I do that. I do really love this place. I do really love what we're doing here. Um, I do really love the people I serve with. I love our students. Um, so it was engaging my heart and then, and then like kind of like recommitting almost that. And then I think some really practical things. Um, I had a leadership coach during that, that season um, that was helpful to like talk it out. Um, to put my feelings in front of me and, you know, like, let's, let's talk about that. Um, I had, um, I did a little therapy for the first time in my life in the last year, which I did, you know, not out of like complete crisis, but again, just like trying to understand yeah. all of the things that have gone on in the last two years. Um, and then I think being honest with the, the peers that I have, you know, to the left and the right of me to say like, are you doing okay? Cause I'm maybe not doing okay. <laughs> and then be like, no, I'm not doing okay either. And sort of, um, finding that community, that camaraderie, um, seeing what I could do to help them recognizing that in turn helps me, you know, sort of getting outside of myself and, and seeing what else I could do to make sure that I didn't just walk away because this got really hard. Um, that, well, that's not, I want this to end. Yeah, that's, I think that's a beautiful way to bring us to our, our final part, which I keep thinking about the passage in Hebrews that talks about that Jesus is the great high priest who went before us and that he can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions that, you know, has been in my mind for at least a year is, you know, really what, what's the distinction between someone who, who's leading and follows Christ and who doesn't, but mm -hmm. is it just this, that we have someone who we can say help. Um, yeah, I need grace. I need mercy. <laughs> you know me, and you're and you're perfect. So, um, you know, with that in mind, what it, what's your best advice for emerging leaders and those leaders who are burning out in the middle and at the top? Yeah, I think on a really practical level. Um, I, I hope that before anybody walks away from anything that they once loved, that they will tell someone that they trust that that's what they're thinking about doing and really engage in a why. Um, because I think a, a variety of things can happen as you bring others into your, a trusted other, hopefully others into your, your orbit um, and, and give yourself the time to kind of work some of that out. Um, hopefully you will have people around you, first of all, who will pray for you. And I know like there were people in the last two years who were praying for me. It'll like, it, it'll make me a little emotional. In fact, 
there's a woman in our community who um, I know she was praying for me. And she, when she would walk by my office, probably 10 times in the last year, she would text me and tell me she was praying for me, for my leadership. Mm. Um, but I also had friends uh, and my husband and um, other people who I know knew it was hard for me, knew I was having a hard time, knew I was just learning a ton um, in a real growth space in my life. And we're praying for my endurance, praying for my motherhood, I'm praying for um, my sanity, for my endurance, for my perseverance, for my sense of self. So I think that is one one piece. But the other thing is um, you you just, you give yourself a chance to enter into community with others who can help engage your heart, engage your why, engage the things that made you want to step into the role in the first place or wanted you made you want to step into leadership in the first place. And I think when we become isolated and we don't let people into that process is when we just lose our moorings. We lose all sense of like what is what can, what is really real and what is um just the story we're telling ourselves. Yeah. And so that's a that, that would be I think a, a thing that I would want for anybody who's struggling with really anything, but definitely leaders we need each other. We need people who've led. We need to. We need to have people in our lives who've endured, who've played the long game, who've been through seasons of hardship, who've known when to walk away. I, you know, I think that was another thing that um, I've done a little bit of is to just talk to people about, like, how did you know when it was time to go? Um, what What did that feel like? Uh, you know, what did your body say about that? What did your mind say? What did you know? How did you turn to scripture? Like, how do you how do you know? Um, and so engage others um, and then be really clear on why, why you got into this first place, why your heart led you to lead. Um, and does that, does that reason still stack up? I bet often it does um, if we really engage with it. That's good. Well, I'm so glad that we had at least one hour to do this. You are part of my, you are part of the team for this leadership project. So I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Yeah, I can't months, wait. But, but thanks, Lindsay. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this is fun.